Thank you for listening to this free audiobook created by Project Gutenberg and Microsoft AI. To learn more about the project or give feedback on the quality of a recording, please visit aka.ms/audiobook. Nonsense Songs by Edward Lear. The story of the four little children who went round the world. Once upon a time, a long while ago, there were four little people whose names were, and they all thought they should like to see the world. So they bought a large boat to sail quite round the world by sea, and then they were to come back on the other side by land. The boat was painted blue with green spots, and the sail was yellow with red stripes, and when they set off, they only took a small cat to steer and look after the boat, besides an elderly quangle-wangle, who had to cook the dinner and make the tea, for which purposes they took a large kettle. For the first ten days they sailed on beautifully, and found plenty to eat, as there were lots of fish, and they had only to take them out of the sea with a long spoon, when the quangle-wangle instantly cooked them, and the pussy cat was fed with the bones, with which she expressed herself pleased, on the whole, so that all the party were very happy. During the daytime, Violet chiefly occupied herself in putting salt water into a churn, while her three brothers churned it violently, in the hope that it would turn into butter which it seldom if ever did, and in the evening they all retired into the tea kettle, where they all managed to sleep very comfortably, while Pussy and the Quangle-Wangle managed the boat. After a time, they saw some land at a distance, and when they came to it, they found it was an island made of water quite surrounded by earth. Besides that, it was bordered by evanescent isthmuses, with a great gulf stream running about all over it, so that it was perfectly beautiful, and contained only a single tree, five hundred and three feet high. When they had landed they walked about, but found, to their great surprise, that the island was quite full of veal cutlets and chocolate drops, and nothing else. So they all climbed up the single high tree to discover, if possible, if there were any people. But having remained on the top of the tree for a week, and not seeing anybody, they naturally concluded that there were no inhabitants, and accordingly, when they came down, they loaded the boat with two thousand veal cutlets and a million of chocolate drops, and these afforded them sustenance for more than a month, during which time they pursued their voyage with the utmost delight and apathy. After this they came to a shore where there were no less than sixty-five great red parrots with blue tails, sitting on a rail all of a row, and all fast asleep. And I am sorry to say that the pussycat and the quangle-wangle crept softly, and bit off the tail feathers of all the sixty-five parrots, for which Violet reproved them both severely. Notwithstanding which, she proceeded to insert all the feathers, two hundred and sixty in number, in her bonnet, thereby causing it to have a lovely and glittering appearance, highly prepossessing and efficacious. The next thing that happened to them was in a narrow part of the sea, which was so entirely full of fishes that the boat could go on no farther, so they remained there about six weeks till they had eaten nearly all the fishes, which were sauls, and already cooked, and covered with shrimp sauce, so that there was no trouble whatever. And as the few fishes who remained uneaten complained of the cold, as well as of the difficulty they had in getting any sleep on account of the extreme noise made by the arctic bears and the tropical turnspits, which frequented the neighborhood in great numbers, Violet most amiably knitted a small woolen frock for several of the fishes, and Slingsby administered some opium drops to them, through which kindness they became quite warm, and slept soundly. Then they came to a country which was wholly covered with immense orange trees of a vast size, 
and quite full of fruit. So they all landed, taking with them the tea kettle, intending to gather some of the oranges, and place them in it. But while they were busy about this, a most dreadfully high wind rose, and blew out most of the parrot-tail feathers from Violet's bonnet. That, however, was nothing compared with the calamity of the oranges falling down on their heads by millions and millions, which thumped and bumped and bumped and thumped them all so seriously, that they were obliged to run as hard as they could for their lives. Besides that the sound of the oranges rattling on the tea kettle was of the most fearful and amazing nature. Nevertheless, they got safely to the boat, although considerably vexed and hurt, and the quangle-wangle's right foot was so knocked about that he had to sit with his head in his slipper for at least a week. This event made them all for a time rather melancholy, and perhaps they might never have become less so, had not Lionel, with a most praiseworthy devotion and perseverance, continued to stand on one leg and whistled to them in a loud and lively manner, which diverted the whole party so extremely that they gradually recovered their spirits, and agreed that whenever they should reach home, they would subscribe towards a testimonial to Liano, entirely made of gingerbread and raspberries, as an earnest token of their sincere and grateful infection. After sailing on calmly for several more days, they came to another country, where they were much pleased and surprised to see a countless multitude of white mice with red eyes, all sitting in a great circle, slowly eating custard pudding with the most satisfactory and polite demeanor. And as the four travelers were rather hungry, being tired of eating nothing but sols and oranges for so long a period, they held a council as to the propriety of asking the mice for some of their pudding in a humble and affecting manner, by which they could hardly be otherwise than gratified. It was agreed, therefore, that Guy should go and ask the mice, which he immediately did, and the result was, that they gave a walnut shell only half full of custard diluted with water. Now this displeased Guy, who said, Out of such a lot of pudding as you have got, I must say, you might have spared a somewhat larger quantity. But no sooner had he finished speaking than the mice turned round at once, and sneezed at him in an appalling and vindictive manner, and it is impossible to imagine a more scrubious and unpleasant sound than that caused by the simultaneous sneezing of many millions of angry mice so that Guy rushed back to the boat, having first shied his cap into the middle of the custard pudding, by which means he completely spoiled the mice's dinner. By and by the four children came to a country where there were no houses, but only an incredibly innumerable number of large bottles without corks, and of a dazzling and sweetly susceptible blue color. Each of these blue bottles contained a blue bottle fly, and all these interesting animals lived continually together in the most copious and rural harmony, nor perhaps in many parts of the world is such perfect and abject happiness to be found. Violet and Slingsby and Guy and Liano were greatly struck with this singular and instructive settlement, and having previously asked permission of the blue bottleflies, which was most courteously granted, the boat was drawn up to the shore, and they proceeded to make tea in front of the bottles. But as they had no tea leaves— they merely placed some pebbles in the hot water, and the quangle-wangle played some tunes over it on an accordion, by which, of course, tea was made directly, and of the very best quality. The four children then entered into conversation with the blue bottleflies, who discoursed in a placid and genteel manner, though with a slightly buzzing accent, chiefly owing to the fact that they each held a small clothes brush between their teeth, which naturally occasioned a fizzy, extraneous utterance. Why, said Violet, would you kindly inform us, do you reside in bottles, 
And if in bottles at all, why not, rather, in green or purple, or, indeed, in yellow bottles? To which questions a very aged blue bottle fly answered. We found the bottles here all ready to live in, that is to say, our great-great-great-great-great-grandfathers did, so we occupied them at once. And when the winter comes on, we turn the bottles upside down, and consequently rarely feel the cold at all, and you know very well that this could not be the case with bottles of any other color than blue. Of course it could not, said Slingsby. But if we may take the liberty of inquiring, on what do you chiefly subsist? Mainly on oyster patties, said the blue bottle fly. And when these are scarce, on raspberry vinegar and Russian leather boiled down to a jelly. How delicious, said Guy. To which Lionel added, Huzz, and all the blue bottle flies said, Buzz. At this time, an elderly fly said it was the hour for the evening song to be sung, and on a signal being given, all the blue bottle flies began to buzz at once in a sumptuous and sonorous manner, the melodious and mucilaginous sounds echoing all over the waters, and resounding across the tumultuous tops of the transitory titmice upon the intervening and verdant mountains with a serene and sickly suavity only known to the truly virtuous. The moon was shining slobaciously from the star-bespangled sky while her light irrigated the smooth and shiny sides and wings and backs of the blue bottle flies with a peculiar and trivial splendor, while all nature cheerfully responded to the cerulean and conspicuous circumstances. In many long after years, the four little travelers looked back to that evening as one of the happiest in all their lives, and it was already past midnight when, the sail of the boat having been set up by the quangle-wangle, the tea-kettle and churn placed in their respective positions, and the pussycat stationed at the helm, the children each took a last and affectionate farewell of the blue bottleflies, who walked down in a body to the water's edge to see the travelers embark. As a token of parting respect and esteem, Violet made a courtesy quite down to the ground, and stuck one of her few remaining parrot-tail feathers into the back hair of the most pleasing of the blue bottleflies, while Slingsby, Guy, and Liano offered them three small boxes, containing, respectively, black pins, dried figs, and Epsom salts, and thus they left that happy shore forever. Overcome by their feelings, the four little travelers instantly jumped into the tea kettle and fell fast asleep. But all along the shore, for many hours, there was distinctly heard a sound of severely suppressed sobs, and of a vague multitude of living creatures using their pocket handkerchiefs in a subdued simultaneous snuffle lingering sadly along the walloping waves as the boat sailed farther and farther away from the land of the happy blue bottleflies. Nothing particular occurred for some days after these events, except that, as the travelers were passing a low tract of sand, they perceived an unusual and gratifying spectacle, namely, a large number of crabs and crawfish, perhaps six or seven hundred, sitting by the waterside and endeavoring to disentangle a vast heap of pale pink worsted which they moistened at intervals with a fluid composed of lavender water and white wine negus. Can we be of any service to you, O crusty crabbies? said the four children. Thank you kindly, said the crabs consecutively. We are trying to make some worsted mittens, but do not know how. On which Violet, who was perfectly acquainted with the art of mitten-making, said to the crabs, Do your claws unscrew, or are they fixtures? They are all made to unscrew said the crabs, and forthwith they deposited a great pile of claws close to the boat, with which Violet uncombed all the pale pink worsted, 
and then made the loveliest mittens with it you can imagine. These the crabs, having resumed and screwed on their claws, placed cheerfully upon their wrists, and walked away rapidly on their hind legs, warbling songs with a silvery voice and in a minor key. After this, the four little people sailed on again till they came to a vast and wide plain of astonishing dimensions, on which nothing whatever could be discovered at first. But, as the travelers walked onward, there appeared in the extreme and dim distance a single object, which on a nearer approach, and on an accurately cutaneous inspection, seemed to be somebody in a large white wig, sitting on an armchair made of sponge cakes and oyster shells. It does not quite look like a human being, said Violet doubtfully, nor could they make out what it really was, till the quangle-wangle, who had previously been round the world, exclaimed softly in a loud voice, It is the cooperative cauliflower! And so, in truth, it was, and they soon found that what they had taken for an immense wig was in reality the top of the cauliflower, and that he had no feet at all, being able to walk tolerably well with a fluctuating and graceful movement on a single cabbage stalk, an accomplishment which naturally saved him the expense of stockings and shoes. Presently, while the whole party from the boat was gazing at him with mingled affection and disgust, he suddenly arose, and in a somewhat plumdomphious manner, hurried off towards the setting sun, his steps supported by two superincumbent confidential cucumbers, and a large number of water-waggles proceeding in advance of him by three and three in a row, till he finally disappeared on the brink of the western sky in a crystal cloud of sudorific sand. So remarkable a sight, of course, impressed the four children very deeply, and they returned immediately to their boat with a strong sense of undeveloped asthma and a great appetite. Shortly after this, the travelers were obliged to sail directly below some high overhanging rocks, from the top of one of which a particularly odious little boy, dressed in rose-colored knickerbockers, and with a pewter plate upon his head, threw an enormous pumpkin at the boat, by which it was instantly upset. But this upsetting was of no consequence, because all the party knew how to swim very well, and in fact they preferred swimming about till after the moon rose, when, the water growing chilly, they spongetaneously entered the boat. Meanwhile the quangle-wangle threw back the pumpkin with immense force, so that it hit the rocks where the malicious little boy in rose-colored knickerbockers was sitting, when, being quite full of lucifer matches, the pumpkin exploded surreptitiously into a thousand bits, whereon the rocks instantly took fire, and the odious little boy became unpleasantly hotter and hotter and hotter, till his knickerbockers were turned quite green, and his nose was burned off. Two or three days after this had happened, they came to another place, where they found nothing at all except some wide and deep pits full of mulberry jam. This is the property of the tiny, yellow-nosed apes who abound in these districts, and who store up the mulberry jam for their food in winter, when they mix it with pellucid pale periwinkle soup, and serve it out in wedgewood china bowls, which grow freely all over that part of the country. Only one of the yellow-nosed apes was on the spot and he was fast asleep. Yet the four travelers and the quangle-wangle and pussy were so terrified by the violence and sanguinary sound of his snoring, that they merely took a small cupful of the jam, and returned to re-embark in their boat without delay. What was their horror on seeing the boat, including the churn and the tea-kettle, and the mouth of an enormous sea's pider, an aquatic and ferocious creature truly dreadful to behold, and happily, only met with in those excessive longitudes. In a moment, the beautiful boat was bitten into fifty-five thousand million hundred billion bits, and it instantly became quite clear that Violet, 
Slingsby, Guy, and Liano could no longer preliminate their voyage by sea. The four travelers were therefore obliged to resolve on pursuing their wanderings by land, and very fortunately, there happened to pass by at that moment an elderly rhinoceros, on which they seized, and all four mounting on his back, the quangle-wangle sitting on his horn, and holding on by his ears, and the pussycat swinging at the end of his tail, they set off. Having only four small beans and three pounds of mashed potatoes to last through their whole journey. They were, however, able to catch numbers of the chickens and turkeys and other birds who incessantly alighted on the head of the rhinoceros for the purpose of gathering the seeds of the rhododendron plants which grew there, and these creatures they cooked in the most translucent and satisfactory manner by means of a fire lighted on the end of the rhinoceros's back. A crowd of kangaroos and gigantic cranes accompanied them, from feelings of curiosity and complacency, so that they were never at a loss for company, and went onward, as it were, in a sort of profuse and triumphant procession. Thus in less than eighteen weeks they all arrived safely at home, where they were received by their admiring relatives with joy tempered with contempt, and where they finally resolved to carry out the rest of their traveling plans at some more favorable opportunity. As for the rhinoceros, in token of their grateful adherence, they had him killed and stuffed directly, and then set him up outside the door of their father's house as a diaphanous door-scraper. The History of the Seven Families of the Lake Pipple-Popple Chapter 1 Introductory In former days, that is to say, once upon a time, there lived in the land of Gramble-Blamble seven families. They lived by the side of the great Lake Pipple-Popple, one of the seven families, indeed, lived in the lake, and on the outskirts of the city of Tosh, which, excepting when it was quite dark, they could see plainly. The names of all these places you have probably heard of, and you have only not to look in your geography books to find out all about them. Now, the seven families who lived on the borders of the great Lake Pipple-Popple were as follows in the next chapter. Chapter 2. The Seven Families. There was a family of two old parrots and seven young parrots. There was a family of two old storks and seven young storks. There was a family of two old geese and seven young geese. There was a family of two old owls and seven young owls. There was a family of two old guinea pigs and seven young guinea pigs. There was a family of two old cats and seven young cats. And there was a family of two old fishes and seven young fishes. Chapter 3 The Habits of the Seven Families The parrots lived upon the Sofsky-Pofsky trees, which were beautiful to behold, and covered with blue leaves and they fed upon fruit, artichokes, and striped beetles. The storks walked in and out of the lake Pipple-Popple, and ate frogs for breakfast, and buttered toast for tea, but on account of the extreme length of their legs they could not sit down, and so they walked about continually. The geese, having webs to their feet, caught quantities of flies, which they ate for dinner. The owls anxiously looked after mice, which they caught, and made into sago puddings. The guinea pigs toddled about the gardens, and ate lettuces and Cheshire cheese. The cats sate still in the sunshine, and fed upon sponge biscuits. The fishes lived in the lake, and fed chiefly on boiled periwinkles. And all these seven families lived together in the utmost fun and felicity. Chapter 4 The children of the seven families are sent away. One day all the seven fathers and the seven mothers of the seven families agreed that they would send their children out to see the world. So they called them all together, and gave them each eight shillings and some good advice, some chocolate drops, 
and a small green Morocco pocketbook to set down their expenses in. They then particularly entreated them not to quarrel, and all the parents sent off their children with a parting injunction. If, said the old parrots, you find a cherry, do not fight about who should have it. And, said the old storks, if you find a frog, divide it carefully into seven bits, but on no account quarrel about it. And the old geese said to the seven young geese, Whatever you do, be sure you do not touch a plum pudding flea. And the old owls said, If you find a mouse, tear him up into seven slices, and eat him cheerfully, but without quarreling. And the old guinea pig said, Have a care that you eat your lettuces, should you find any, not greedily, but calmly. And the old cat said, Be particularly careful not to meddle with a clangle-wangle if you should see one. And the old fishes said, Above all things, avoid eating a blue boss for they do not agree with fishes, and give them a pain in their toes. So all the children of each family thanked their parents, and making in all forty-nine polite bows, they went into the wide world. Chapter 5 The History of the Seven Young Parrots the seven young parrots had not gone far, when they saw a tree with a single cherry on it, which the oldest parrot picked instantly, but the other six, being extremely hungry, tried to get it also, on which all the seven began to fight, and they scuffled, and huff-led, and ruffled, and shuffled, and puff-led, and muffled, and buffled, and duffled, and fluff-led, and guffled, and bruffled, and screamed, and shrieked, and squealed, and squeaked, and clawed, and snapped, and bit, and bumped, and thumped, and dumped, and flumped each other, till they were all torn into little bits. And at last there was nothing left to record this painful incident except the cherry and seven small green feathers, and huff-led, and ruffled, and shuffled, and puff-led, and muffled, and buffled, and duffled, and fluff-led, and guffled, and bruffled, and screamed and shrieked and squealed. And that was the vicious and voluble end of the seven young parrots. Chapter 6 The History of the Seven Young Storks When the seven young storks set out, they walked or flew for fourteen weeks in a straight line, and for six weeks more in a crooked one, and after that they ran as hard as they could for one hundred and eight miles, and after that they stood still, and made a simultaneous chatter-clatter-blattering noise with their bills. About the same time they perceived a large frog, spotted with green, and with a sky-blue stripe under each ear. So, being hungry, they immediately flew at him, and were going to divide him into seven pieces, when they began to quarrel as to which of his legs should be taken off first. One said this, and another said that, and while they were all quarreling, the frog hopped away. And when they saw that he was gone, they began to chatter-clatter, bladder-platter, patter-bladder, matter-clatter, flatter quarter, more violently than ever, and after they had fought for a week, they pecked each other all to little pieces, so that at last nothing was left of any of them except their bills. Blatter platter, patter blatter, matter clatter, flatter quarter, and that was the end of the seven young storks. Chapter 7. The History of the Seven Young Geese. When the seven young geese began to travel, they went over a large plain, on which there was but one tree, and that was a very bad one. So four of them went up to the top of it and looked about them, while the other three waddled up and down and repeated poetry, and their last six lessons in arithmetic, 
geography, and cookery. Presently they perceived, a long way off, an object of the most interesting and obese appearance, having a perfectly round body exactly resembling a boiled plum pudding, with two little wings, and a beak, and three feathers growing out of his head, and only one leg. So, after a time, all the seven young geese said to each other, Beyond all doubt this beast must be a plum-pudding flea, on which they incautiously began to sing aloud. Plum-pudding flea, plum-pudding flea, wherever you be, oh, come to our tree, and listen, oh, listen, oh, listen to me. And no sooner had they sung this verse than the plum-pudding flea began to hop and skip on his one leg with the most dreadful velocity, and came straight to the tree, where he stopped, and looked about him in a vacant and voluminous manner, on which the seven young geese were greatly alarmed, and all of a tremble-bemble, so one of them put out his long neck, and just touched him with the tip of his bill, but no sooner had he done this than the plum-pudding flea skipped and hopped about more and more, and higher and higher after which he opened his mouth, and to the great surprise and indignation of the seven geese, began to bark so loudly and furiously and terribly, that they were totally unable to bear the noise, and by degrees, every one of them suddenly tumbled down quite dead. So that was the end of the seven young geese. Chapter 8. The History of the Seven Young Owls. When the seven young owls set out, they sate every now and then on the branches of old trees, and never went far at one time. And one night, when it was quite dark, they thought they heard a mouse. But, as the gas lamps were not lighted, they could not see him. So they called out, Is that a mouse? On which a mouse answered, Squeaky-peaky-weaky. Yes, it is. And immediately all the young owls threw themselves off the tree, meaning to alight on the ground. But they did not perceive that there was a large well below them into which they all fell superficially, and were every one of them drowned in less than half a minute. So that was the end of the seven young owls. Chapter 9. The History of the Seven Young Guinea Pigs The seven young guinea pigs went into a garden full of gooseberry bushes and tiggery trees, under one of which they fell asleep. When they awoke, they saw a large lettuce, which had grown out of the ground while they had been sleeping, and which had an immense number of green leaves at which they all exclaimed. And instantly the seven young guinea pigs rushed with such extreme force against the lettuce plant, and hit their heads so vividly against its stalk, that the concussion brought on directly an incipient transitional inflammation of their noses, which grew worse and worse and worse and worse, till it incidentally killed them all seven. And that was the end of the seven young guinea pigs. Chapter 10. The History of the Seven Young Cats. The seven young cats set off on their travels with great delight and rapacity. But on coming to the top of a high hill, they perceived at a long distance off a clangle-wangle, or, as it is more properly written, clangle-wangle, and in spite of the warning they had had, they ran straight up to it. Now, the clangle-wangle is a most dangerous and delusive beast, and by no means commonly to be met with. They live in the water as well as on land, using their long tail as a sail when in the former element. Their speed is extreme, but their habits of life are domestic and superfluous, and their general demeanor pensive and pellucid. On summer evenings they may sometimes be observed near the lake Pipple-Popple, standing on their heads, and humming their national melodies. They subsist entirely on vegetables, 
excepting when they eat veal or mutton or pork or beef or fish or saltpetri. The moment the Clangle Wangle saw the seven young cats approach, he ran away, and as he ran straight on for four months, and the cats, though they continued to run, could never overtake him, they all gradually died of fatigue and exhaustion, and never afterwards recovered. And this was the end of the seven young cats. Chapter 11 The History of the Seven Young Fishes The seven young fishes swam across the Lake Pipplepopple, and into the river, and into the ocean, where, most unhappily for them, they saw, on the fifteenth day of their travels, a bright blue boswas, and instantly swam after him. But the blue boswas plunged into a perpendicular, spicular, orbicular, quadrangular, circular depth of soft mud, where, in fact, his house was. Spicular. Orbicular. Quadrangular. Circular depth of soft mud. And the seven young fishes, swimming with great and uncomfortable velocity, plunged also into the mud quite against their will, and, not being accustomed to it, were all suffocated in a very short period. And that was the end of the seven young fishes. Chapter 12. Chapter 12. Of what occurred subsequently. After it was known that the seven young parrots, and the seven young storks, and the seven young geese, and the seven young owls, and the seven young guinea pigs, and the seven young cats, and the seven young fishes. Seven young parrots were all dead, then the frog, and the plum-pudding flea, and the mouse, and the clangle-wangle, and the blue boss all met together to rejoice over their good fortune. And they collected the seven feathers of the seven young parrots, and the seven bills of the seven young storks, and the lettuce, and the cherry, and having placed the latter on the lettuce, and the other objects in a circular arrangement at their base, they danced a hornpipe round all these memorials until they were quite tired, after which they gave a tea party, and a garden party, and a ball, and a concert, and then returned to their respective homes full of joy and respect, sympathy, satisfaction, and disgust. Chapter 13 of what became of the parents of the forty-nine children. But when the two old parrots, and the two old storks, and the two old geese, and the two old owls, and the two old guinea pigs, and the two old cats, and the two old fishes, became aware, by reading in the newspapers, of the calamitous extinction of the whole of their families, they refused all further sustenance, and sending out to various shops, they purchased great quantities of cayenne pepper and brandy and vinegar and blue sealing wax, besides seven immense glass bottles with airtight stoppers. And having done this, they ate a light supper of brown bread and Jerusalem artichokes, and took an affecting and formal leave of the whole of their acquaintance, which was very numerous and distinguished and select and responsible and ridiculous. And the two old storks. And the two old geese and the two old owls, and the two old guinea pigs, and the two old cats, and the two old fishes. Chapter 14. Conclusion. And after this they filled the bottles with the ingredients for pickling, and each couple jumped into a separate bottle, by which effort, of course, they all died immediately, and became thoroughly pickled in a few minutes, having previously made their wills, by the assistance of the most eminent lawyers of the district in which they left strict orders that the stoppers of the seven bottles should be carefully sealed up with the blue sealing wax they had purchased, and that they themselves, in the bottles, should be presented to the principal museum of the city of Tosh, 
to be labeled with parchment, or any other anti-congenial succedaneum, and to be placed on a marble table with silver gilt legs, for the daily inspection and contemplation, and for the perpetual benefit of the pusillanimous public. And if you ever happen to go to Gramble Blamble, and visit that museum in the city of Tosh, look for them on the 98th table in the 427th room of the right-hand corridor of the left wing of the central quadrangle of that magnificent building. For, if you do not, you certainly will not see them. Nonsense cookery. Amblongus pie crumbablius cutlets goski patties. Amblongus pie. Crumbablius cutlets. Goski patties. Extract from the Nonsense Gazette for August, 1870. Three receipts for domestic cookery. To make an amblongus pie. Take four pounds, say four and a half pounds, of fresh amblonguses, and put them in a small pipkin. Cover them with water, and boil them for eight hours incessantly, after which add two pints of new milk, and proceed to boil for four hours more. When you have ascertained that the amblongguses are quite soft, take them out, and place them in a wide pan, taking care to shake them well previously. Grate some nutmeg over the surface, and cover them carefully with powdered gingerbread, curry powder, and a sufficient quantity of cayenne pepper. Remove the pan into the next room, and place it on the floor. Bring it back again, and let it simmer for three quarters of an hour. Shake the pan violently till all the amblongases have become of a pale purple color. Then, having prepared the paste, insert the whole carefully, adding at the same time a small pigeon, two slices of beef, four cauliflowers, and any number of oysters. Watch patiently till the crust begins to rise, and add a pinch of salt from time to time. Serve up in a clean dish, and throw the whole out of window as fast as possible. To make crumbablius cutlets. Procure some strips of beef, and having cut them into the smallest possible slices, proceed to cut them still smaller, eight, or perhaps nine times. When the whole is thus minced, brush it up hastily with a new clothes brush, and stir round rapidly and capriciously with a salt spoon or a soup ladle. Place the whole in a saucepan, and remove it to a sunny place, say the roof of the house, if free from sparrows or other birds, and leave it there for about a week. At the end of that time add a little lavender, some oil of almonds, and a few herring bones, and then cover the whole with four gallons of clarified crumbablius sauce, when it will be ready for use. Cut it into the shape of ordinary cutlets, and serve up in a clean tablecloth or dinner napkin. To make gosky patties. Take a pig three or four years of age, and tie him by the off hind leg to a post. Place five pounds of currants, three of sugar, two pecks of peas, eighteen roast chestnuts, a candle, and six bushels of turnips, within his reach, if he eats these, constantly provide him with more. Then procure some cream, some slices of Cheshire cheese, four quires of fool's cap paper, and a packet of black pins. Work the whole into a paste, and spread it out to dry on a sheet of clean brown waterproof linen. When the paste is perfectly dry, but not before, proceed to beat the pig violently with the handle of a large broom. If he squeals, beat him again. Visit the paste and beat the pig alternately for some days, and ascertain if, at the end of that period, the whole is about to turn into gosky patties. If it does not then, it never will, and in that case the pig may be let loose, and the whole process may be considered as finished. Nonsense Botany 
Bacapipia gracilis botophorchia spinifolia cockatuca superba fischia marina guitara pencilis menopiplia upsidonia fat fascia stipenda pigawigia pyramidalis plumbunia nutritiosa polybertia singularis. Bacapipia gracilis. Botophorchia spinifolia. Cockatuca superba. Fischia marina. Guitara pencilis. Menopiplia upsidonia. Fat fascia stipenda. Pigawigia pyramidalis. Plumbunia nutritiosa. Polybertia singularis. Bacapipia gracilis. Botophorchia spinifolia. Cockatuca superba. Fischia marina. Guitara pencilis. Menopiplia upsidonia. Fat fascia stipenda. Pigawigia pyramidalis. Plumbunia nutritiosa. Polybertia singularis. Nonsense alphabets. Number one, number two, number three. Number one. Number two. Number three. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. A. B. C. D. E. F. G. H. I. J. K. L. M. N. O. P. Q. R. S. T. U. V. W. X. Y. Z. A was an ant who seldom stood still, and who made a nice house in the side of a hill. A nice little ant. A. A was an ant who seldom stood still, and who made a nice house in the side of a hill. A was an ant who seldom stood still, and who made a nice house in the side of a hill. A. A. Nice little ant. B. B. was a book with a binding of blue, and pictures and stories for me and for you. B. Nice little book. B. B. was a book with a binding of blue, and pictures and stories for me and for you. B. was a book with a binding of blue. And pictures and stories for me and for you. B. B. Nice little book. C. C. was a cat who ran after a rat, but his courage did fail when she seized on his tail. C. Crafty old cat. C. C. was a cat who ran after a rat, but his courage did fail when she seized on his tail. C. was a cat who ran after a rat, but his courage did fail when she seized on his tail. C. C. Crafty old cat. D.D. was a duck with spots on his back, who lived in the water, and always said, Quack! D. Dear little duck. D. D. was a duck with spots on his back, who lived in the water, and always said, Quack! D. was a duck with spots on his back, who lived in the water, and always said, Quack! D. D. Dear little duck. E. was an elephant, stately and wise. He had tusks and a trunk, and two queer little eyes. Yo, what funny small eyes. E. He was an elephant, stately and wise. He had tusks and a trunk, and two queer little eyes. He was an elephant, stately and wise. He had tusks and a trunk, and two queer little eyes. E. E. Oh, what funny small eyes. F.F. was a fish who was caught in a net, but he got out again and is quite alive yet. F. Lively young fish. F. F. was a fish who was caught in a net, but he got out again, and is quite alive yet. F. was a fish who was caught in a net, but he got out again, and is quite alive yet. F. F. 
Lively young fish. Gigi was a goat who was spotted with brown. When he did not lie still he walked up and down. Gee good little goat. Gee. Gee was a goat who was spotted with brown. When he did not lie still he walked up and down. Gee was a goat who was spotted with brown. When he did not lie still he walked up and down. Gee. Gee. Good little goat. H.H. was a hat which was all on one side. Its crown was too high. And its brim was too wide. H.O. What a hat. H. H was a hat which was all on one side. Its crown was too high. And its brim was too wide. H was a hat which was all on one side. Its crown was too high. And its brim was too wide. H. H. Oh, what a hat. I was some eyes so white and so nice. But which nobody tasted. And so it was wasted. I all that good ice. I. I was some eyes so white and so nice. But which nobody tasted. And so it was wasted. I was some eyes so white and so nice. But which nobody tasted. And so it was wasted. I. I. All that good ice. J.J. was a jackdaw who hopped up and down in the principal street of a neighboring town. J. All through the town. J. J. was a jackdaw who hopped up and down in the principal street of a neighboring town. J. was a jackdaw who hopped up and down in the principal street of a neighboring town. J. J. All through the town. K.K. was a kite which flew out of sight, above houses so high, quite into the sky. K. Fly away, kite. K. K. was a kite which flew out of sight, above houses so high, quite into the sky. K was a kite which flew out of sight, above houses so high, quite into the sky. K. K. Fly away, kite. L.I. was a light which burned all the night, and lighted the gloom of a very dark room. L. Useful nice light. L. I was a light which burned all the night, and lighted the gloom of a very dark room. I was a light which burned all the night, and lighted the gloom of a very dark room. L. L. Useful nice light. M.M. was a mill which stood on a hill, and turned round and round with a loud hummy sound. M. Useful old mill. M. M. was a mill which stood on a hill, and turned round and round with a loud hummy sound. M. was a mill which stood on a hill, and turned round and round with a loud hummy sound. M. M. Useful old mill. N.N. was a net which was thrown in the sea to catch fish for dinner for you and for me. And nice little net. N. And was a net which was thrown in the sea to catch fish for dinner for you and for me. And was a net which was thrown in the sea to catch fish for dinner for you and for me. N. N. Nice little net. O was an orange so yellow and round. When it fell off the tree, it fell down to the ground. O down to the ground. O. O was an orange so yellow and round. When it fell off the tree, it fell down to the ground. O was an orange so yellow and round, when it fell off the tree, it fell down to the ground. O. O. Down to the ground. P.P. was a pig, who was not very big, but his tail was too curly, and that made him surly. P. Cross little pig. P. P. was a pig, who was not very big, but his tail was too curly, and that made him surly. P. was a pig, who was not very big, but his tail was too curly, and that made him surly. P. P. 
Cross Little Pig QQ was a quail with a very short tail, and he fed upon corn in the evening and morn. Q Quaint Little Quail Q Q was a quail with a very short tail, and he fed upon corn in the evening and morn. Q was a quail with a very short tail, and he fed upon corn in the evening and morn. Q Q Quaint Little Quail R.R. was a rabbit, who had a bad habit of eating the flowers and gardens and bowers. R. Naughty Fat Rabbit R. R. was a rabbit, who had a bad habit of eating the flowers and gardens and bowers. R. was a rabbit, who had a bad habit of eating the flowers and gardens and bowers. R. R. Naughty Fat Rabbit S.S. was the sugar tongs, nippity to take up the sugar to put in our tea. S. Nippity-nay. S. S. was the sugar tongs, nippity-nay, to take up the sugar to put in our tea. S. was the sugar tongs, nippity-nay, to take up the sugar to put in our tea. S. S. Nippity-nay. T.T. was a tortoise, all yellow and black. He walked slowly away, and he never came back. T. Torty never came back. T. T. was a tortoise, all yellow and black. He walked slowly away, and he never came back. T was a tortoise, all yellow and black. He walked slowly away, and he never came back. T. T. Torty never came back. Yuyu was an urn all polished and bright, and full of hot water at noon and at night. You useful old urn. You. You was an urn all polished and bright, and full of hot water at noon and at night. You was an urn all polished and bright and full of hot water at noon and at night. You. You. Useful old urn. Vivi was a villa which stood on a hill, by the side of a river, and close to a mill. The nice little villa. The. V was a villa which stood on a hill, by the side of a river, and close to a mill. V was a villa which stood on a hill, by the side of a river, and close to a mill. The. The. Nice little villa. W.W. was a whale with a very long tail, whose movements were frantic across the Atlantic. W. Monstrous old whale. W. W. was a whale with a very long tail, whose movements were frantic across the Atlantic. W. was a whale with a very long tail, whose movements were frantic across the Atlantic. W. W. Monstrous old whale. XX was King Xerxes, who, more than all Turks, is renowned for his fashion of fury and passion. X angry old Xerxes. X. X was King Xerxes, who, more than all Turks, is renowned for his fashion of fury and passion. X was King Xerxes, who, more than all Turks, is renowned for his fashion of fury and passion. X. X. Angry old Xerxes. Why, why was a you, which flourished and grew by a quiet abode near the side of a road? Why dark little you? Why? Why was a you, which flourished and grew by a quiet abode near the side of a road? Why was a you, which flourished and grew by a quiet abode near the side of a road? Why? Why? Dark little you. Zizi was some zinc, so shiny and bright, which caused you to wink in the sun's merry light. Z beautiful zinc. Z. Z was some zinc, so shiny and bright which caused you to wink in the sun's merry light. Z was some zinc, so shiny and bright, which caused you to wink in the sun's merry light. Z. 
Z. Beautiful zinc. A, B, C, D, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W. X, Y, Z. A was once an apple pie. Pity, whitey, tidy, pity, nice and sidey, apple pie. A, A, A was once an apple pie. Pity, whitey, tidy, pity, nice and sidey, apple pie. A was once an apple pie. Pity, whitey, tidy, pity, nice and sidey, apple pie. A, pity, whitey, tidy, pity, nice and sidey. Apple pie. BBB was once a little bear. Berry, wary, hairy, berry, takey, carry, little bear. B. B. B was once a little bear. Berry, wary, hairy, berry, takey, carry, little bear. B was once a little bear. Berry, wary, hairy, berry, takey, carry, little bear. B. Berry. Wary. Hairy. Berry. Takey, carry. Little bear. CCC was once a little cake, cakey, bakey, makey, cakey, takey, cakey, little cake. C. C. C was once a little cake, cakey, bakey, makey, cakey, takey, cakey, little cake. C was once a little cake, cakey, bakey, makey, cakey, takey, cakey, little cake. C. Cakey. Bakey. Makey. Cakey. Takey, cakey. Little cake. DDD was once a little doll. Dolly, Molly, Polly, Nolly, Nursey Dolly, little doll. D. D. D was once a little doll. Dolly, Molly, Polly, Nolly, Nursey Dolly, little doll. D was once a little doll. Dolly, Molly, Polly, Nolly, Nursey Dolly, little doll. D. Dolly. Molly. Polly. Nolly. Nursey Dolly. Little doll. E was once a little eel. Ely, wheelie, peely, ely, twirly, twilly, little eel. E, E. He was once a little eel. Ely, wheelie, peely, ely, twirly, twilly, little eel. He was once a little eel. Ely, wheelie, peely, ely, twirly, twilly, little eel. E, Ely, wheelie, peely, ely, twirly, twilly. Little eel. FFF was once a little fish. Fishy, wishy, squishy, fishy, in a dishy, little fish. F. F. F was once a little fish. Fishy, wishy, squishy, fishy, in a dishy, little fish. F was once a little fish. Fishy, wishy, squishy, fishy, in a dishy, little fish. F. Fishy. Wishy. Squishy. Fishy. In a dishy. Little fish. GGG was once a little goose. Goosey, moosey, boozy, goosey, wadly woozy, little goose. G. G. G was once a little goose. Goosey, moosey, boozy, goosey, wadly woozy, little goose. G was once a little goose. Goosey, moosey, boozy, goosey, wadly woozy, little goose. G. Goosey. Moosey. 
Boozy. Goosey. Wadly woozy. Little goose. HHH was once a little hen. Henny. Chenny. Tenny. Henny. Exieny. Little hen? H. H. H was once a little hen. Henny. Chenny. Tenny. Henny. Exieny. Little hen? H was once a little hen. Henny. Chenny. Tenny. Henny. Exieny. Little hen? H. Henny. Chenny. Tenny. Henny. Exieny. Little hen? I was once a bottle of ink inky, dinky, thinky, inky, black and minky, bottle of ink. I, I, I was once a bottle of ink inky, dinky, thinky, inky, black and minky, bottle of ink. I was once a bottle of ink inky, dinky, thinky, inky, black and minky, bottle of ink. I, inky, dinky, thinky, inky, black and minky, bottle of ink. J.J.J. was once a jar of jam, jammy, mammy, clammy, jammy, sweet as swammy, jar of jam. J. 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 was once a jar of jam, jammy, mammy, clammy, jammy, sweet as swammy, jar of jam. J. was once a jar of jam, jammy, mammy, clammy, jammy, sweet as swammy, jar of jam. J. Jammy. Mammy. Clammy. Jammy. Sweet as swammy. Jar of jam. KKK was once a little kite. Kitty, whitey, flighty, kitty, out of sighty, little kite. K. K. K was once a little kite. Kitty, whitey, flighty, kitty, out of sighty, little kite. K was once a little kite. Kitty, whitey, flighty, kitty, out of sighty, little kite. K. Kitty. Whitey. Flighty. Kitty. Out of sighty. Little kite. LLI was once a little lark. Larky, marky, harky, larky, in the parky, little lark. L. L. I was once a little lark. Larky, marky, harky, larky, in the parky, little lark. I was once a little lark. Larky, marky, harky, larky, in the parky, little lark. L. Larky. Marky. Harky. Larky. In the parky. Little lark. MMM was once a little mouse. Mousy, bousy, sousy, mousy, in the housey, little mouse. M. M. M was once a little mouse. Mousy, bousy, sousy, mousy, in the housey, little mouse. M was once a little mouse. Mousy, bousy, sousy, mousy, in the housey, little mouse. M. Mousy. Bousy. Sousy. Mousy. In the housey. Little mouse. NNN was once a little needle. Needly, tweedly, threedly, needly, whiskey, weedly, little needle. N. N. N was once a little needle. Needly, tweedly, threedly, needly, whiskey, weedly, little needle. N was once a little needle. Needly, tweedly, threedly, needly, whiskey, weedly, little needle. N. Needly. Tweedly. Threedly. Needly. Whiskey. Weedly. Little needle. Oh, was once a little owl. Ollie. Prowly. Howly. Ollie. Brownie. Fowly. Little owl. Oh. Oh. Oh, was once a little owl. Ollie. Prowly. Howly. Ollie. Brownie. Fowly. Little owl. Oh, was once a little owl. Ollie. Prowly. 
Howly, Owly, Brownie Fowly, Little Owl. Oh. Owly. Prowly. Howly. Owly. Brownie Fowly. Little Owl. PPP was once a little pump, pumpy, slumpy, flumpy, pumpy, dumpy, thumpy, little pump. P. P. P was once a little pump, pumpy, slumpy, flumpy, pumpy, dumpy, thumpy, little pump. P was once a little pump, pumpy, slumpy, flumpy, pumpy, dumpy, thumpy, little pump. P. Pumpy. Slumpy. Flumpy. Pumpy. Dumpy, thumpy. Little pump. QQQ was once a little quail, quaily, faily, daily, quaily, stumpy taily, little quail. Q. Q. Q was once a little quail, quaily, faily, daily, quaily, stumpy taily, little quail. Q was once a little quail, quaily, faily, daily, quaily, stumpy taily, little quail. Q. Quaily. Faily. Daily. Quaily. Stumpy taily. Little quail. RRR was once a little rose, rosy, posy, nosy, rosy, blows why, grows why, little rose. R. R. R was once a little rose, rosy, posy, nosy, rosy, blows why, grows why, little rose. R was once a little rose, rosy, posy, nosy, rosy, blows why, grows why, little rose. R. Rosy. Posy. Nosy. Rosy. Blows why, grows why. Little rose. SSS was once a little shrimp, shrimpy, nimpy, flimpy, shrimpy. Jumpy, jimpy, little shrimp. S. S. S was once a little shrimp, shrimpy, nimpy, flimpy, shrimpy. Jumpy, jimpy, little shrimp. S was once a little shrimp, shrimpy, nimpy, flimpy, shrimpy. Jumpy, jimpy, little shrimp. S. Shrimpy. Nimpy. Flimpy. Shrimpy. Jumpy, jimpy. Little shrimp. TTT was once a little thrush. Thrushy, hushy, bushy, thrushy, flitty, flushy, little thrush. T. T. T was once a little thrush. Thrushy, hushy, bushy, thrushy, flitty, flushy, little thrush. T was once a little thrush, thrushy, hushy, bushy, thrushy, flitty, flushy, little thrush. T. Thrushy. Hushy. Bushy. Thrushy. Flitty, flushy. Little thrush. Yee was once a little urn, any, burny, turny, any, bubbly, burny, little urn. You. You. You was once a little urn, any, burny, turny, any, bubbly, burny, little urn. You was once a little urn. Any, Bernie, Turney, any, Bubbly, Bernie, Little Urn. You, any, Bernie, Turney, any, Bubbly, Bernie, Little Urn. VVV was once a little vine, viney, whiny, twiny, viney, twisty, twiny, little vine. V, V, V was once a little vine, viney, whiny, twiny, viney, twisty, twiny, little vine. V was once a little vine, viney, whiny, twiny, viney, twisty, twiny, little vine. V. Viney. Whiny. Twiny. Viney. Twisty, twiny. Little vine. WWW was once a whale, wally, scaly, shaly, wally, tumbly taily, mighty whale.
W. W. W was once a whale, Wally, Scaly, Shaley, Wally, Tumblytaily, Mighty Whale. W was once a whale, Wally, Scaly, Shaley, Wally, Tumblytaily, Mighty Whale. W. Wally. Scaly. Shaley. Wally. Tumblytaily. Mighty Whale. XXX was once a great king Xerxes, Xerxy, Perxy, Turxy, Xerxy, Lynxy, Lurxy, Great King Xerxes. X. X. X was once a great king Xerxes, Xerxy, Perxy, Turxy, Xerxy, Lynxy, Lurxy, Great King Xerxes. X was once a great king Xerxes, Xerxy, Perxy, Turxy, Xerxy, Lynxy, Lurxy, Great King Xerxes. X. Xerxy. Perxy. Turxy. Xerxy. Lynxy, Lurxy. Great King Xerxes. Why, why, why was once a little you, Yudi, Feudy, Crudy, Yudi, Grouty, Gritty, Little You? Why? Why? Why was once a little you, Yudi, Feudy, Crudy, Yudi, Grouty, Gritty, Little You? Why was once a little you, Yudi, Feudy, Crudy, Yudi, Grouty, Gritty, Little You? Why? Yudi. Feudy. Crudy. Yudi. Grouty, Gritty. Little You. CZZ was once a piece of zinc, tinky, winky, blinky, tinky, tinkly minky, piece of zinc. Z. Z. Z was once a piece of zinc, tinky, winky, blinky, tinky, tinkly minky, piece of zinc. Z was once a piece of zinc, tinky, winky, blinky, tinky, tinkly minky, piece of zinc. Z. Tinky. Winky. Blinky. Tinky. Tinkly Minky. Piece of Zinc. A B C D F G H I J K L M N O P Q R S T U V W X Y Z. A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P Q R S T U. V. W. X. Y. Z. A was an ape, who stole some white tape, and tied up his toes in four beautiful bows. A. Funny old ape. A. A was an ape, who stole some white tape, and tied up his toes in four beautiful bows. A was an ape, who stole some white tape, and tied up his toes in four beautiful bows. A. A. Funny old ape. B.B. was a bat, who slept all the day, and fluttered about when the sun went away. B. Brown little bat. B. B. was a bat, who slept all the day, and fluttered about when the sun went away. B. was a bat, who slept all the day, and fluttered about when the sun went away. B. B. Brown little bat. C.C. was a camel, you rode on his hump. And if you fell off, you came down such a bump. C. What a high camel. C. C was a camel. You rode on his hump. And if you fell off, you came down such a bump. C was a camel. You rode on his hump. And if you fell off, you came down such a bump. C. C. What a high camel. D.D. was a dove, who lived in a wood, with such pretty soft wings, and so gentle and good. D. D 
Dear little dove. D. B was a dove, who lived in a wood, with such pretty soft wings, and so gentle and good. B was a dove, who lived in a wood, with such pretty soft wings, and so gentle and good. D. D. Dear little dove. E was an eagle, who sat on the rocks, and looked down on the fields and the faraway flocks. E. Beautiful eagle. E. E was an eagle, who sat on the rocks, and looked down on the fields and the faraway flocks. E was an eagle, who sat on the rocks, and looked down on the fields and the faraway flocks. E. E. Beautiful eagle. FF was a fan made of beautiful stuff, and when it was used, it went puffy puff puff. F. Nice little fan. F. F was a fan made of beautiful stuff, and when it was used, it went puffy puff puff. F was a fan made of beautiful stuff, and when it was used, it went puffy puff puff. F. F. Nice little fan. GG was a gooseberry, perfectly red, to be made into jam, and eaten with bread. G. Gooseberry red. G. G was a gooseberry, perfectly red, to be made into jam, and eaten with bread. G was a gooseberry, perfectly red, to be made into jam, and eaten with bread. G. G. Gooseberry red. H. H was a heron, who stood in a stream, the length of his neck and his legs was extreme. H. Long-legged heron. H. H was a heron, who stood in a stream, the length of his neck and his legs was extreme. H was a heron, who stood in a stream, the length of his neck and his legs was extreme. H. H. Long-legged heron. I was an inkstand, which stood on a table, with a nice pen to write with when we are able. I. Neat little inkstand. I. I was an inkstand, which stood on a table, with a nice pen to write with when we are able. I was an inkstand, which stood on a table, with a nice pen to write with when we are able. I. I. Neat little inkstand. J.J. was a jug, so pretty and white, with fresh water in it at morning and night. J. Nice little jug. J. J. was a jug, so pretty and white, with fresh water in it at morning and night. J. was a jug, so pretty and white, with fresh water in it at morning and night. J. J. Nice little jug. K.K. was a kingfisher. Quickly he flew, so bright and so pretty, green, purple, and blue. K. Kingfisher, blue. K. K. was a kingfisher. Quickly he flew, so bright and so pretty, green, purple, and blue. K. was a kingfisher. Quickly he flew, so bright and so pretty, green, purple, and blue. K. K. Kingfisher, blue. L.I. was a lily, so white and so sweet. To see it and smell it was quite a nice treat. L. Beautiful lily. L. I was a lily, so white and so sweet. To see it and smell it was quite a nice treat. I was a lily, so white and so sweet. To see it and smell it was quite a nice treat. L. L. Beautiful lily. M.M. was a man, who walked round and round, and he wore a long coat that came down to the ground. M. Funny old man. M. M. was a man, who walked round and round, 
and he wore a long coat that came down to the ground. M was a man, who walked round and round, and he wore a long coat that came down to the ground. M. M. Funny old man. And N was a nut so smooth and so brown. And when it was ripe, it fell tumbledum down. N. Nice little nut. N. N was a nut so smooth and so brown. And when it was ripe, it fell tumbledum down. N was a nut so smooth and so brown. And when it was ripe, it fell tumbledum down. N. N. Nice little nut. O was an oyster, who lived in his shell. If you let him alone, he felt perfectly well. O. Open-mouthed oyster. O. O was an oyster, who lived in his shell. If you let him alone, he felt perfectly well. O was an oyster, who lived in his shell. If you let him alone, he felt perfectly well. O. O. Open-mouthed oyster. P.P. was a polly, all red, blue, and green, the most beautiful polly that ever was seen. P. Per little polly. P. P. was a polly, all red, blue, and green, the most beautiful polly that ever was seen. P. was a polly, all red, blue, and green, the most beautiful polly that ever was seen. P. P. Per little polly. Q.Q. was a quill made into a pen, but I do not know where, and I cannot say when. Q. Nice little quill. Q. Q was a quill made into a pen, but I do not know where, and I cannot say when. Q was a quill made into a pen, but I do not know where, and I cannot say when. Q. Q. Nice little quill. R.R. was a rattlesnake, rolled up so tight, those who saw him ran quickly, for fear he should bite. R. Rattlesnake bite. R. R. was a rattlesnake, rolled up so tight, those who saw him ran quickly for fear he should bite. R was a rattlesnake, rolled up so tight, those who saw him ran quickly, for fear he should bite. R. R. Rattlesnake bite. SS was a screw to screw down a box, and then it was fastened without any locks. S. Valuable screw. S. S was a screw to screw down a box, and then it was fastened without any locks. S was a screw to screw down a box and then it was fastened without any locks. S. S. Valuable screw. T.T. was a thimble, of silver so bright. When placed on the finger, it fitted so tight. T. Nice little thimble. T. T. was a thimble, of silver so bright. When placed on the finger, it fitted so tight. T. was a thimble, of silver so bright. When placed on the finger, it fitted so tight. T. T. Nice little thimble. U was an upper coat, woolly and warm, to wear over all in the snow or the storm. U. What a nice upper coat. U. U was an upper coat, woolly and warm, to wear over all in the snow or the storm. U was an upper coat, woolly and warm, to wear over all in the snow or the storm. U. U. What a nice upper coat. Vivi was a veil with a border upon it, and a ribbon to tie it all round a pink bonnet. V. Pretty green veil. V. V was a veil with a border upon it, and a ribbon to tie it all round a pink bonnet. V was a veil with a border upon it, 
and a ribbon to tie it all round a pink bonnet. V. V. Pretty green veil. W.W. was a watch, where, in letters of gold, the hour of the day you might always behold. W. Beautiful watch. W. W. was a watch, where, in letters of gold, the hour of the day you might always behold. W. was a watch, where, in letters of gold, the hour of the day you might always behold. W. W. Beautiful watch. XX was King Xerxes, who wore on his head a mighty large turban, green, yellow, and red. X. Look at King Xerxes. X. X was King Xerxes, who wore on his head a mighty large turban, green, yellow, and red. X was King Xerxes, who wore on his head a mighty large turban, green, yellow, and red. X. X. Look at King Xerxes. Why, why was a yak from the land of Thibet, except his white tail, he was all black as jet? Why? Look at the yak. Why? Why was a yak from the land of Thibet, except his white tail, he was all black as jet? Why was a yak from the land of Thibet, except his white tail, he was all black as jet? Why? Why? Look at the yak. Zizi was a zebra, all striped white and black, and if he were tame, you might ride on his back. Z. Pretty striped zebra. Z. Z was a zebra, all striped white and black, and if he were tame, you might ride on his back. Z was a zebra, all striped white and black, and if he were tame, you might ride on his back. Z. Z. Pretty striped zebra.